My name is Scott Challoner and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a sunny but very cool winter morning here in the capital and hopefully joining me on the programme today to add some more warmth and brightness to affairs is John Bagley, the Executive Chair and Owner of the International Fundraising Consultancy. Um, John, welcome and thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Thank you, Scott. I'm very happy to be here. And real looking pleasure. forward to the question. Yeah, real pleasure for us having you um, on the programme as well, John. Now, um, I understand the International Fundraising Consultancy, the crux of what you do is that you're a management consultancy that specialises in fundraising for the third sector. So that would sort of cover charities, NGOs, non-profits and social enterprises. That's the sort of work you're involved in, isn't it? Just for those maybe that aren't aware of you. That's correct. What we wanted to do was to really create a better world a world that's uh, a much nicer place to live in than the one we've got at the moment. Uh, and we think that the best agents of that kind of social change are the charities and the non-profits and the international organizations that are making that kind of change. So we thought that the best use of our time and our skills and expertise was to help them with their, particularly with their fundraising development because I think that's where a lot of organizations suffer. And we all have a great fundraising experience. I come from a background of working with a range of organizations, as you know. And we set up an international organization because we wanted to work around the world, not just in the UK, although a lot of our work is still in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose, as you say, that experience working for other major organisations such as sort of Friends of the Earth and Amnesty International, to name a couple there, I suppose that made you think that when you were deciding to pursue building your own charitable organisation, it gave you that experience necessary to think, you know, I'm ready for this and I'm ready to sort of build this up to what it needs to be. That's right. It was time to leverage what I could do and to make it work on a much larger scale. I was very used to working for one organization, running and helping them to develop. And I thought, let's do this on a global scale. So we started uh, in the UK. We had our people based in the UK. But really, we wanted to be truly international with people actually on the ground with a lot of knowledge about what the fundraising potential was in the various countries around the world. And we knew that other people were out there also, but really the other um, competitors of ours, I would say, tended to be people who were just happy to jet off to Singapore or wherever and to advise people how to do their fundraising. And we felt that it was much better if we actually had people on the ground overseas advising about that kind of income generation, what the resources were in those countries, what was possible and probably above all the culture of those countries Mm. and how that would operate. And was it a real challenge sort of from the IFC's foundation in 2000, doing that groundwork and building it up to that sort of global presence that it now is? I think we had a huge challenge in the business model that we would use. It was looking at other organizations, they've tried various ideas and each one of those didn't seem to have worked. So we experimented with how we could do that and how we could scale up on a global scale. 
for example, very often in the early days, what we did was to find great people to work with overseas and then to train them how to be consultants, to move from being fundraisers into people who gave advice to other organizations and to be confident and good at doing that. Mm. And now, over time, yeah, it's actually changed. Yes. Sorry. Over time, we began to change that process. And now we work on a franchise basis. We tested and tried lots of ideas, and the franchise seemed to be the one that So now we are operational in about 15 countries on the ground, but we cover far more than that. So I think that we're, we're a truly global organization, and that really helps when we're working with international non-governmental organizations or when we're working with UN agencies. Having successfully done that, John, um, for anybody that might be tuning into this who sort of may have their own big idea and may want to start their own organization, what would you say is the single biggest piece of advice to sort of give to somebody to be successful in that respect based on the experiences that you've had? I think there are probably three key things, at least from my experience. One is actually launching the organization starting off, taking the first step. The German philosopher Goethe said that there is magic in the first step. When you actually do it, then the problems begin to face you and you begin to deal with them. It's very easy to try and set up an organization that doesn't have risk and therefore to keep postponing it because you can't actually cover all the risks. Mm. Second thing I would say is that you should do your marketing research before you start before that first step. You need to know that the product or service you're providing is actually one that people out there want to buy, that they're interested in. Because if they're not, then you really don't have a product and you can't scale it up. Mm. The whole thing is not going to work. So do your market research. And the third thing, although there are probably many, many others, the third thing, at least from my experience, is to get a great team of people around you. Don't try and do it all yourself. You won't be able to scale up on your own because you have a limited amount of time. Bring in experts, people you can trust, people who are great at their job. And that will make sure that your organization really delivers for its clients. Absolutely right. Um, very sound advice indeed. And I suppose for anybody out there that may actually be considering a career in the third sector especially, it suffices for us to mention, I suppose, John, that you are a published author and have penned your own book, Fundraising and Zombies, that charts your own experiences working in the sector and overcoming one or two sort of people-related challenges. Without sort of giving too much away for those that might not have read the book, um, are there any sort of major pearls of wisdom you think people ought to take away from that that we can mention? I think part of it is about leadership. You know, in many organizations, not just in charities, you'll come across people who characterize as zombies in the book. These are people who really are not doing their job well. And everybody knows they really should either not be there or they should be trained and brought up to do the job properly. But people tend, when they take over, say, a fundraising department, to ignore those people, just to let them there. Because for years and years, everybody has done the same thing. The challenge is actually to deal with those people, to look at people and to say, okay, are you the kind of person that we can now train, bring up to speed mm -hmm. so they do their work properly? 
or are you the kind of person who actually has to go? And at times you do have to sack people. So you have to be prepared to do that. And if you don't challenge and take on those people, the rest of your team is going to look at you and think, hmm, that person is not very good. And they may even think, what else can we get away with? Yeah, I can certainly see where you're coming from uh, from that respect, uh, John. And um, obviously in terms of challenges, we've talked an awful lot about some of those that you've experienced in building up your organisation um, over the uh, the last 22 years. And it would be remiss of us if we didn't talk about one of the greatest challenges that we've faced of our time, which is, of course, the ongoing COVID-19 situation because we're not out of it yet. Um, talking about that now, what are some of the sort of major operational challenges that you'd say it's thrown at the IFC over the last couple of years? I'm going to start with the, the operational challenges of charities, mm-hmm. and they really have been quite devastating. In many charities, the money from trusts and foundations moved straight into COVID-related work or into the NHS. A lot of donations went in that direction. Plus, a range of charities really relied upon doing things that involved face-to-face meetings, face-to-face asking for money or street fundraising, events, uh, all kinds of things that then had to move online. A lot of the recruitment that used to be done face-to-face in the streets, if you remember that, or going door-to-door, then had to be done online through social media. And the organizations that really adapted and the skills that the IFC had to take on board was far more on that digital side. We'd already been, uh, I think, experts in the digital side of things because that's terribly important in fundraising. But it intensified in the past two years. Events had to come online. Recruitment had to come online. And those charities that managed to do that successfully, instead of trying to sit out the the COVID crisis, were the ones who've done a lot better than the others. And the people that put money into the online fundraising and then adapting and changing it to really perfect it are the ones who've done a lot better. For us, it was hard because we couldn't meet with our clients. We Mm. couldn't just sit down with them and chat about things. All that had to be done through Zoom, and we had to work out ways how you do it, how you then advise the clients uh, to do work like asking for very large sums online. That's a, a very unusual thing to do, mm. but there's no other way of doing it, particularly if you're going to go from country to country and ask people in different parts of the world to give. That has to be done online, and that's a skill that we've had to Work out how you get the clients to be able to do it. Because as consultants, you lose control. Mm. You, If you're head of a fundraising department, it's great. You can tell people what to do. More or less, they will do it. When you're a consultant, you have to engage with people and persuade them to do it. And that's a different set of skills. It is exactly right. And you talked about there sort of how charitable organizations have really had to adapt to sort of the new normal for charities. A lot has moved um, online. 
And I think that's going to remain the case in the long term, isn't it? I imagine there'll be a much more renewed focus on sustainability as we sort of address that next great challenge, the climate emergency, and sort of learning the lessons from the pandemic in terms of doing more remotely, traveling less where we don't necessarily need to travel. So it's going to be a very interesting time uh, for the third sector on the whole, isn't it? It certainly is. And all those things are going to keep going. I'm not sure there is a new normal. I think things are going to keep changing. Mm. And we will see several new normals emerging where things stay stationary for a time and then they begin to change again. So being adaptable, having that kind of flexible mindset, I think is going to be increasingly important. Certainly trying is something which is unacceptable now through the climate crisis. Even if we are able to fly, we really shouldn't be doing it. So evolving other ways of doing things, and I think there are good other ways of doing things, is important. And I think the charities that have adapted to social media, have adapted to online events, and are looking at the new things that are happening. If you think there's things out there like non-fungible tokens, NFTs, I won't bother to explain them, it's too complex. but Auctioning those rather than just auctioning paintings is an idea. And there will be lots of things as each of the uh, digital waves come through, it will be important. They should think about accepting uh, the digital currency, for example, Mm. bitcoins. Um, Several do, and it's worked for them. Obviously, I wouldn't uh, suggest anybody should invest in them. That's uh, their own decision and not something that I would advise. But being able to accept them is a a different matter. And there will be, as we go forward, a lot of other interesting things coming up that at least charities should be looking at and thinking about and being prepared to adapt to. Exactly right. And maintaining sort of productivity as well is going to be a real um, priority over the, uh, the next few months and indeed years as we adjust to an ever-changing world and obviously yourselves uh, the IFC and charities all over the world have embraced the challenge of facing the pandemic over the last two years do you think that sort of productivity has sort of been maintained or perhaps even exceeded in certain areas just given how well some have adapted I think it's a very mixed picture I think some organizations so some fundraisers are relieved that organizations put money into their online side because at last they can really give rein to that and they can begin to run through their whole recruitment process and do it thoroughly, do the thorough analysis and the thorough scaling up of it where that is profitable. I think that the for us, the productivity has really come through not having to spend that much time going to see people, much Mm. as we love to do it. It it has saved us a huge amount of time in cars, in trains, etc. We've been able to work from home and that's actually made us a lot more productive. And I think charities have found more or less the same thing. Of course, Mm. charities have also been uh, negatively affected and uh, a lot of people furloughed. There's been a lot of problems in the past two years. And so productivity for some, I think, has gone down. And across charities, I think some people have lost jobs. Some people have gained jobs. It is a very changing picture. And it's quite a challenge now to to manage a 
marriage a charity. Mm. It is, isn't it? And in this new world as well, um, I suppose sort of mental health and well-being, both sort of internally within charities and organisations, and also with the, in terms of the people they work with, their mental health well-being is going to be far more of a priority in this sort of ever-changing world that we find ourselves in. Um, do you feel that it's sort of been a significant challenge maintaining mental health and maintaining morale over the last two years and that it's perhaps going to continue to be the case as we sort of bid to recover from COVID because it doesn't seem that it's going to necessarily be a very quick fix, this. I think that's true. I think mental health is terribly important. And I think it's become more important because people don't meet with each other. You don't, you're not around the water cooler, as they say in America. You don't necessarily chat to people, see what's going on. You can't necessarily see their expressions and faces so easily. So you don't get such a good feel for how your colleagues are doing at work. And with so many people working at home, sometimes that's inappropriate for people. It's really tough for them to work at home. And they're laboring under a burden. They may produce excellent work. Their productivity may even go up. But their mental health may go down. So I think keeping in touch with all those remote workers, making sure you now spend extra time and you build in other ways of doing the kind of socialization that happens at work is terribly important. I think for the IFC, for my company, it has not been quite such a challenge because we're used to working from home. We, we started off doing that. We've kept doing that throughout. So in that respect, we've been very fortunate but it still is definitely something to keep an eye on. Mm. It certainly is. It is something to keep an eye on, and it is going to be fascinating to see just how the situation around that develops. And talking about the immediate future, just before we wrap up on the uh, the programme today, John, um, what are some of the priorities of the IFC going to be over the uh, the next 12 months as we get to grips with this new year and hopefully enter a position where we can leave the challenge of COVID as an immediate and present danger behind? I think we're going to have a set of priorities, one of which is to maintain that international expansion. I think there are several key countries that I'm looking at, and we're going to work on finding the, the right consultants in those countries to add to our team of franchisees. That's one. Secondly, I think we're going to be keeping our own eye on what's happening in the future because we need to adapt and change our advice the whole time. And I think keeping our skills up is going to be terribly important. And I think that what is happening is that the pipeline of charitable organizations who've come to us is now quite long because people tend not to have the business confidence to launch uh, new activities very quickly. They tend to be waiting a little while, and, and quite rightly. But that is going to change. And so I think we're going to have the probably the pleasant problem of having a lot of clients coming to us at the same time. So we've got to be capable and ready to gear up our staffing to meet that situation quite quickly. Absolutely. So that's it's our challenges. It's going to be a mission, isn't it? A real challenge. And um I'd love actually, John, to even maybe catch up with you in the next year just to bring you back on board and just see how well you're getting to grips with that challenge at some point uh, because it is good to sort of look upon these things retrospectively and almost to see just how well those visions have been executed. 
That would be excellent, Scott. I'd really like to do that. It's going to be a, a, a fun year, but a mm. challenging year. Exactly right. And like I say, there are a lot of variables in this and let's just keep our fingers crossed that there will be a real significant upward trajectory now. Um, it's been a real pleasure welcoming you onto the uh, the show today, John, and I do hope that you thoroughly enjoyed the experience and do also take care and stay safe with all still going on in the world as well. Thanks, Scott. All the best. All the best, John. And I'd like to reiterate that message to all of our listeners tuning in to today's uh, show as well. I do hope that you all enjoyed listening to today's interview with John Bagley, Executive Chair and Owner of the International Fundraising Consultancy. And for those who have tuned in and may feel that you have your own story of success and of innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, why do you not apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply? Of course, until the next time, everybody, as per usual, take care and goodbye, and we'll see you all very soon.